0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. It's a great opportunity to be here this morning. I've really enjoyed getting to know Pastor Paul and uh, have been able to get to know Daniel as well. Isn't that a good looking guy? I think it's the haircut. Uh, But I appreciate you leading us in that time of worship. That was, we serve an incredible God. And, you know, I was thinking about all the people that are coming down for the eclipse, and they're telling us, you know, watch out, there's going to be so many people here. And and I can't help but wonder how many of those people are coming to see God's glory put on display, uh, but miss that every day. You know, they're looking at what they believe is just a. Phenomena of creation without recognizing the Creator and, and seeing that the glory of God is is far better uh, than the sun passing in front of, the, or the moon passing in front of the sun. Uh, we worship an, an, an incredible God, and it was so good to worship with you this morning, and I've looked forward to this time with you. Just to tell you a little bit about myself, I grew up in Mooresville, uh, so I'm originally from this area, and uh, grew up at Berea Baptist Church in Mooresville. Uh, when I was nine years old, I made a profession of faith. pastor had come to the house and uh, followed that with Believer's Baptism. Uh, then when I was ten years old, my family moved to Peninsula. And uh, some of you may be familiar with Peninsula in Morville. Uh, at that time, Peninsula was just beginning. We met at the Lions Club there beside Brawley School. And uh, it was while I was at Peninsula that I got a lot more engaged in church. We uh, got involved with uh, missions for the children and then later in the youth, when I got into youth ministry, I was always part of whatever was happening in the youth ministry. The problem was that the person that I was at church was very different than the person that I was everywhere else, and I really didn't see a disconnect in that. It wasn't that I was intentionally trying to be a hypocrite. I just, I really didn't know any different. I just, everybody saw me at church one way. I was always plugged in, preached my first sermon when I was a youth. It was a youth Sunday, and and they had asked me to speak, and, and I was comfortable being that person at church, but then being a different person at school. And it wasn't until one day at school, there was a guy that I'd been friends with for a number of years. Uh, we were in class one day, and somebody said something about going to church. And I, and I mentioned uh, going to Peninsula. And he looked at me, and he, he didn't live but just about two miles from Peninsula. And he looked at me and he said, you go to church? And he kind of laughed. And I think that was the first time that I really got it that, that there's a disconnect in who I am here and, and who I am here. But it wasn't until my senior year of high school uh, that God really brought that to the forefront from me. Uh, we, I played soccer all through school and it was August 1st. We had started back to soccer practice. It always started the first of August and, uh, we went back to soccer practice. It's always hot. August, you practice at three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know why that is, uh, but we would practice. And then at the end of practice, we would do our sprints or we would do long runs. Well, it was the third day of practice and we had just finished those long runs. Everybody was exhausted and we were standing there and our coach said, you know, I I just got to point out, this is the third day of practice. And Greg has not taken the Lord's name in vain in all three practices. Now, Greg was a guy that I'd gone to school with since we were in probably first grade at Mount Morn, And, and I had known Greg. We hadn't been real, real close because Greg's life took a much different uh, route than mine did. By the time we were in middle school, uh, drugs were a part of Greg's life every day. In our freshman year of high school, uh, Greg ended up in a treatment facility on two different occasions, six weeks at a time, for drugs and alcohol. Uh, when Greg turned 16 and got his license, he had his license for two weeks, and uh, he lost him in a DUI. The night that he wrecked, he drank two-fifths of vodka in one night. And uh, the, the trooper said, I don't know how you survived the wreck, but I also don't know how you survived with your blood alcohol being at this level. I've never seen this before. Uh, that was just Greg's life, Greg's story. It was, it was. It was hard. Our, at that third day of soccer practice, when the coach said that, I went to Greg after the practice and I said, Greg, what's going on, man? What's up? And he said, Tim, he said, over the summer, he said, God got a hold of my life. He said, I was sitting in my room. I was all alone. I had my Bible. I started reading. Uh, Greg's mom had been part of Grace Covenant in Cornelius. And he said, I started reading and he said, God changed me. He said, He saved me. He took away the drugs. He took away the alcohol. He took away the language. He just took it all away. And he said, I'm a different person. And it was in that moment that the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Tim, if I can do that in his life, why can't I do it in yours? And it was convicting. But it was from that point forward that I actually began to live for the Lord and to see that there's not supposed to be this disconnect from my life at at church and my life at school. I had my life planned out. I was going to Central Piedmont. I was going to be an electrician. I was going to get a two-year degree, being an electrician. That's what I'd done the summers during high school. But it was over that next year as God began to shape me and form me that He called me into ministry. And, and, and so instead of going to Central Piedmont, I ended up going to a Bible college and, and then on to college and to seminary. But my life took a very different route. And it all started that day, August 3rd. It would have been 1991. Graduated in 92. Six years ago, I got a call from one of my friends that Greg had passed away. He had moved up to New York with his mom and, uh, and don't, don't really know what happened. He just he passed away in his sleep. And I found this out on Friday and, and I pulled up his obituary and it said that his service was going to be the next day at, at 10 o'clock Saturday morning. Well, this is Upper State New York. It was about a 12-hour journey. Greg had had a profound impact on my life I wanted to go to that service but I couldn't figure out a way to go so I spent several hours trying to figure that out it didn't work so finally I just gave up and um, buddy of mine that knew Greg as well called and he knew I wanted to go and he said all right Tim he said tonight after I get off I got some things to take care of but we're gonna go to Wynockskill New York I said Scott dude it's 12 hours the funerals at 10 o'clock in the morning he said we're going to leave at nine. We'll be there by nine in the morning. We'll have time to to get you know dressed and whatever when we get there to go to the service. So Scott showed up at the house that night at nine o'clock. We've both been up since six o'clock Friday morning. We drove through the night, went to Wanekskill, New York, got to the got to the service. Uh, got to talk to his mom after it. She invited us back to the house, and went back to the house and shared stories. And I shared how what a profound impact Greg had on my life and the direction of my life and. And, and and we just sat there chatting until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And finally I said, Carol, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I kind of have somewhere I have to be tomorrow. Uh, we got a 12-hour drive, and I'm, I'm going to have to go back to, to, to Statesville. And so Scott and I, we left at 3 o'clock that afternoon and started driving back home. Now Scott, Scott's a big guy. He's like 6'3". Uh, he ain't little. He was curled up in the back seat of my little Honda Civic. Uh, trying to sleep, we were alternating off and on. Somewhere about 1 o'clock in the morning on the way back home, we were in Virginia. We came across this area where we got into road construction. Now I'd been up for probably about 41 hours straight. And, and, and you know how it is when you're driving and you're tired. I'm just following the car in front of me. I'm oblivious to what's going on. I know we're in down to one lane in this road construction on the interstate. And all of a sudden, the car in front of me takes this sharp right and went down a hill off the road. And I was like, what in the world just happened? I look in my rearview mirror, and everybody behind me did the same thing. There were like four cars, and all of them took that sharp right. And so my first thought is, I just drove into the middle of a construction zone. So I'm waiting to see the workers on the side of the road jumping out of the way as I'm barreling down through there. And And I'm still, my mind's still not clear, it's still not working. And I say, Scott, I think I'm driving in the middle of a construction zone. Scott's very laid back. He sits up, and he goes, well... Why don't you slow down a little bit? Now, I'm still 70 miles an hour right down the middle of it expecting guys to jump out of the way. Now, I wasn't in the construction zone. That was just an exit that everybody around me needed to get off of instead of me. But I'm, I'm still on the road. But it occurred to me that I live my life much the same way. You know, when being that tired and being that unaware of what's happening around me, I put a lot of people in danger. The car in front of me, the cars behind me, Scott... Construction workers. And I begin to think, even in my own spiritual walk, I walk by people every day that don't know the God of glory. I walk by people every day that don't know the good news of what Christ did for us on the cross when he died in our place. There are people around us that aren't worshiping today. Sure, they'll go out tomorrow and they'll worship this eclipse, but they don't worship the God of that eclipse. They don't worship the God who holds all things in order. This series that that we've been going through as uh, the different pastors is a series entitled 1. And it's talking about one church, the body of Christ, not Grace Covenant, not just Front Street, not just the the Oaks, not just every other church, but every true Bible-believing church is called to one mission, and that is the mission that Christ gave us, to make disciples, to put His glory on display by the way that we live our lives, by the things that we share. And every day we walk through oblivious to what's happening around us. What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ, if we all took that mission seriously, if we all had the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the hands of Christ, and the way that we lived our lives, it would be a much different world. How would Statesville be impacted if every part of the body of Christ began to live for that purpose of one mission Pastor Paul preached two weeks ago here on having the heart of Jesus Christ. Pastor Tim from the Yokes preached last week about having the hands of Christ, being willing to serve. This morning I want to talk about having the mind of Christ. Because the true battleground of the, the life is in the mind. The decisions that we make, the decisions of how we're going to live. If it doesn't take place in our minds, it's not going to take place in our lives. And my hope and prayer for each of us this morning is that we have the same mind in us that was in Christ Jesus, that we have that same singular focus as the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at a a few short verses this morning, 5 through 8. These are four short verses, but these four short verses really... speak of a deep theological truth of who Jesus Christ is and why He came and the singular passion for God's glory that He had when He came. Let's begin reading in verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. This is your truth. Lord, your word tells us that it's able to penetrate the depths of our heart, that it's able to renew our minds. I pray that you would use this time in your word transform us into the people you've called us to be, a people on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so thankful for the churches coming together and seeing that that this isn't a competition between us, that we are all on one team for one purpose, and that's to make much of you. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live for our own glory. We live for you. So God, renew our minds this morning. Please give us that same mind which was in our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, as we look at this text, we see Jesus Christ, and this really speaks of His coming into the world. So it it starts at the very beginning of, of that first Christmas morn when He came into this creation. And it goes all the way... Th- through to His crucifixion when He died on the cross for our sin and His ascension into heaven. And while Christ was on this earth, He had one focus, one passion, and that was to bring glory to God. It was to be walk in obedience to Him. It was to fill the mission for which He came. And Christ did that in perfection. He never got off track, he never got detoured, he never got to the place that, that he was so consumed with his uh, what he wanted to do that he was willing to neglect what God had called him to do and who God had called him to be. And so as we think about the mind of Christ, we want to think about if we have that same mind in us that was in Christ Jesus, then we have that same singular focus for his passion, for his glory, and to walk in obedience. He says in verse, verse 5, "...let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God." You know, in that first verse, it makes clear uh, that, that this one that we speak of this morning, this Lord Jesus Christ, that He came in the very form of God. And what we see first about Jesus, this word form, it doesn't mean that He came in the appearance of God, that He appeared to be God. It means that he was one in nature with God. He was they had the exact same nature. He is God. So this one who is God in order to obey the command of God, he had to go. He had to go. And he had to be willing to go and he had to be willing to go from heaven. You see Jesus has existed from eternity past. You can't go back to a point of time when Jesus didn't exist. He's always been because he is God. He always has been. He always will be. He is God. But this one who is God, we're told that he came in the very form of God. and He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, when we think of robbery, we think of somebody that steals something from somebody else. And if you if you think of it in that term then Jesus stole something from God that wasn't his and that's that's not what this passage means. This word's probably better translated as grasped or to help, hold on to. And what it's saying is this place that Jesus had in eternity past as creator of all the world that he wasn't willing to stay there in eternity but he was willing to go and to step into his creation. I don't know how that hits you this morning, but for me to think that the God of all eternity, the one who spoke all of this into existence, that He was willing to step into our world, that He was willing to leave behind the glory of heaven and to come into this world and to experience a life that many of us can't imagine, because he didn't have the same uh, he didn't have the same uh, things that we experience and have. He, the Bible says he had no place to lay his head. Jesus came in dire poverty and He came and He lived and He dwelt among us. John 1.14 tells us that, that he, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He dwelt among us in and as part of His own creation. Let me ask you this morning, if we have the same mindset as that of the Lord Jesus Christ and He was willing to step out of eternity and step into our world, then are we willing to step out of our comfort zones? To go to that family member, that co worker, that person at school, wherever God takes us, the person at the grocery line, are we willing to go for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? If we're to have the same mind as that of Christ Jesus, then we're willing to go, we're willing to count the cost. We're willing to know that this might cost us something. It might cost some relationships. It might cost some difficulties. But I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go to the places of Statesville where, where there's not a lot of, of gospel influence. Where there's not a light that's shining for the glory of God. I'm willing to go and be that light. I'm willing to be that missionary in my school. I'm willing to be that Greg for somebody else. To show them that there's a different way to live. So that I've lived in both worlds. And I can tell you that living for Jesus Christ... Is is far greater than anything the world has to offer. Jesus was willing to go, but He was also willing to serve. Look at verse seven. It says, "But He made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men." He made Himself of no reputation. What does that mean? It means that Christ came and He humbled Himself and He literally emptied Himself. It doesn't mean that he emptied himself of being God, of being deity. He continued to be God. But what it means is he emptied himself of the rights and the privileges that came along with that. It means that he willfully restrained his deity while he was on this earth. So that he only knew what God wanted him to know. So that he only did what the Father wanted him to do. He was the God who spoke the world into existence and yet he came and he humbled himself and he gave up those rights so that he could walk this earth so that he could experience it just as you and I experience it. That he could feel weakness, that he could feel hunger, that he could feel hurt, that he could feel loss. And so it says he humbled himself and he took on the form of a bondservant. That word bondservant, it literally means slave. That he became a slave to the father. And that word form is the same word form we just covered. So it doesn't mean that he took the appearance of a slave. He literally became a slave for the father. Think about that for just a moment. The king of all glory, the king of the universe, he came into this world and he became a slave for you and I. It was Christ the King of Glory who reached out to the leper when no one else would. It was Christ who said in John 4, I must needs go through Samaria because he had a divine appointment with the woman at the well that everybody else rejected. It was Christ who touched the woman caught in adultery. It was Christ the King of Glory who was willing to get on his knees and wash the feet of his disciples when they waited for another slave because they were too good to do that for each other. That's the King of of glory yet christ came to seek and to save that which was lost he came to serve not to be served and to give his life as a ransom church if we're to have the mind of christ then we too must have this mind of service We can get so focused and we get in that zone. We get so focused on our career. We get so focused on our GPA. We get so focused on our sports team or the sport that we're playing or or whatever else you want to put in there, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that, that next promotion, whatever you want to put in there that we become oblivious. But to have the mind of Christ is to be willing to go and to be willing to serve, to love the people around us so much that there's nothing too menial, that we are willing to get on our knees as a slave to wash their feet whatever it takes to show them the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was He willing to go, not only was He willing to serve, He was willing to lay down His life. Verse 8 says, "...and being found in appearance as a man." He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The Creator was willing to become part of His creation. The King was willing to come and serve. The Giver of life was willing to taste death so that we could have that abundant life that Pastor Paul preached about two weeks ago. The King of glory willingly laid down His life. Church, we can never get over that. We can never get over the fact that Jesus Christ died on that old rugged cross and when He died, He died as our substitute. He was perfect. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Christ was perfect, perfect, so He didn't have to die. He willingly stood in our place. He willingly laid down His life on that cross so that you and I could have life, so that you and I could tell this world around us that there is hope in Jesus. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. Church, if we're to have the mind of Christ, we too must be willing to lay our lives down. To say, God, this isn't about my pursuit. It's not about my glory. It's not about my promotion. It's not about making a name for myself. It's about living a life that brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ. As long as He gives me breath in my lungs, that's my passion. That's what I want to live for church this morning, do you have the same mind that was that in Christ Jesus? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to lay your life down? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's hard for us to fathom what Christ did on our behalf. It's hard for us to to fathom that that sinners such as I that are so unworthy, that have sinned so horribly, that God, You allowed Your Son to stand in our place and absorb every ounce of wrath that was due for us so that we didn't have to experience that. Father, the only response that we can have in our lives is to live our lives for Your honor and for Your glory. And we can't do that unless we have the mind of Christ. So I'm asking You, Father, that You renew our minds. I'm asking you, God, to take away everything that keeps us from pursuing you, everything that keeps us from living for your glory, everything that keeps us from loving the people around us, everything that keeps us from making much of Jesus Christ. Lord, the Word of God tells us in this very passage that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Father, we want to present that to everyone around us so that they can have that opportunity to do it here before it's too late. And Father, I pray that for everybody here this morning, that, that if there's one here that doesn't know that, this never confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the master of their lives, the one who died in their place and rose from the dead, that this morning they would trust you by faith. But I pray that every one of us would leave this place this morning, Lord, with a singular passion for you and for your glory, that we will commit to make you known, that we will have the mind of Christ, that we will be willing to go, that we will be willing to serve, that we will be willing to lay our lives down on the altar and say it's for you and for your glory. God, as we have this moment of of reflection, this time of response, I pray that you do, Lord. In our hearts what only you can do. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. Jesus, we live for you because you died for us. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts bring you praise. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.